Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Here in the studio with Thomas Cox, a former college football player at UAB and former college football coach. He's a husband, a father, a mentor, and former CrossFit Games competitor. He's the founder of an amazing hospitality group that encompasses multiple facets of the hospitality and food industry. He began his first business, MealFit, in 2013 from his kitchen table. Thomas's company is founded on making eating easier and healthier. He feels motivating people through food and lifestyle is the way he can truly impact this world. He's also the owner of Table and Time, a high-touch, full-service catering company that makes even the simplest of events amazing. As a businessman, Thomas has grown a very successful online retail and catering business through his holistic grassroots approach. He saw profits double in each of the first five years of business through his knowledge of marketing and customer service. In just six years, Thomas has taken MealFit from an idea on a borrowed laptop to generating millions of dollars. Thomas has also leveraged his business income and has stepped into public speaking, hosting his own podcast, Entrepreneur Dad, and real estate where he owns multiple apartment units in Tennessee. Any business wants to know how to turn customers into disciples, and Thomas has done this with each of his thriving businesses. Thomas, it is great to have you here with us today. So glad to be here. Really appreciate it, and really looking forward to uh, to what you have to say because I really enjoy the content that I see you post and, and know that you. you're doing a good job of, of sharing your faith. You're doing a good job of, of inspiring and encouraging people. And that's what this show is all about. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. Anything we can do to help, please let me know. Well, I definitely appreciate that. And, um, you know, so first you're in obviously the, the food industry right. and, you know, obviously you eat very healthy and, and exercise. Right. I can tell that by looking at you. Part, um, kind of part of the job. <laughs> right. Uh, but from that standpoint, uh, you transitioned out of college coaching into this business. What made you get out of college coaching? Uh, honestly, if I hadn't have been a Christian, I don't know that I would have gotten out of it. Um, simply because I love my job. Mm-hmm. Like, I love those kids. I love the, the competitive aspect of it. And, and more than as much as anything, my wife loved my job. Mm-hmm. I was gone a lot. Mm-hmm. But she loved it because she's a, a great coach as well. And so we had a lot in common, a lot to talk about. She liked traveling to the games and going. And she mm-hmm. loved it too. Um, but I love my job, and I had no idea what I was going to do. So loving your job and having no idea what you're going to do lends you to believe that you're going to stay in your job. But I knew that it was something else. I knew that there was something else out there that I should have been doing, and I didn't know what it was. And so I transitioned out of it for a number of reasons. Number one, the main thing was the Holy Spirit led me out of that. Mm-hmm. Had I not been a Christian, I think I would have stayed. Mm-hmm. I think I would have stayed, stayed in it and kept going. But, um, man, the Holy Spirit just led us out of it and, and led me to a job that I ended up loving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took a huge pay cut, like 50%. Mm-hmm. like cut my pay in half overnight. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I got out of it for the number of reasons. Number one would be I had our, we had our second child, mm-hmm. and I was missing – my kid's life. I felt like I missed the first couple years of my daughter's life. It was now at this age 10, the first 
two, three years of her life, I was gone. I was mm -hmm. coaching, and then when I wasn't coaching, I was recruiting, mm -hmm. and then it was just uh, it was just a situation where I was gone all the time, and so that was the main reason. And also, I just I felt felt moved to, to get out of it. Well, I definitely understand that because you know when I started my own firm in February of 2015. Uh, I felt like it was something that, that God was calling me to do. I felt like there was more in uh, my industry and just there there was a need to make uh, a positive impact in people's lives. And mm -hmm. um, But I also had a 40% reduction in yeah. my income starting uh, a new business and, and really making a lot of transition. So I know what it's like to, to feel like you're going where, where God's leading you. But at the same time, initially, it's like, what did I just do? It's so nerve-wracking. Like here's the thing that I feel like the Lord did though. He set us up because I worked a lot in college. Mm -hmm. And so being a financial guy, you'll appreciate this. So when I turned 18 and I got all my graduation money from, from graduating high school, I invested like five or $600 in a mutual fund. And then dollar cost averaged, averaged the whole time I was in college, mm -hmm. even when I didn't make any money, mm -hmm. we did that. And so it built up a little bit of a nest egg. Mm -hmm. Not that I had to dip into it a whole lot, but mm -hmm. me taking a pay cut wasn't a big deal mm -hmm. because I had money that I knew I could rely on mm -hmm. if a bad situation came up. But when mm -hmm. you do, when you take that leap of faith or step out on the ledge or whatever your beliefs are mm -hmm. and you take a huge pay cut, mm -hmm. it's nerve wracking. My mm -hmm. dad thought I was freaking bonkers yeah. because most of my parents are in education mm -hmm. where it's a steady income, you work till you retire, you retire, mm -hmm. then you live. Well, I, all I knew was that I didn't want to coach anymore because mm -hmm. I wanted to coach, but I did. I knew that I needed to get out. And I wasn't mm -hmm. sure what I needed to do. So leaving that, my, my dad, my mom was like, hey, yeah, whatever you want to do, son, you'll mm -hmm. be fine. My dad thought it was crazy. And so taking that step is hard. I mean, man, that's what faith's all about. And, and I definitely think that, that sometimes when we take that leap of faith, we've got nowhere to go but to Him. For sure. You know, so when things are going well and we're having success in, in whatever it is we're doing, even though we know that it's not where He's calling us to be, right. you know, it's, it's easy. Yeah. But when you take that leap of faith, you've got to rely on Him, you've got to trust on Him, and you've got to know that, that if He doesn't show up, like this isn't going to work. No doubt. I agree. So I think that that's extremely important. So with that... From the aspect of coaching, what what was so bad uh, about coaching college football? Was it just the travel, or it was all of it? Like, okay. it was the hours. Like hours are really really bad. And the, here's the thing: when I was at NC State, we were ninety five hundred hours a week. I had a guy who was a pro boss. He worked in the NFL, mm -hmm. and so he didn't quite make the transition mentally from the NFL. Because people, here's the thing: in the NFL. The NFL players go to work at 8 and they go home at 4 or 5. It's a job, just like mm -hmm. everything else is mm -hmm. a job. And so when the, when they leave, the NFL coaches have to mm -hmm. prepare. And so that's why their hours are bonkers. They mm -hmm. prepare for 4, four or 5 o'clock in the afternoon mm -hmm. to 10, 11, 12 o'clock at mm -hmm. night. And so he thought that was the way it is. Well, in college, you want to get the players 20 hours a week, mm -hmm. and three hours of that is a game. Mm -hmm. And so the hours were crazy. Well, then we transitioned and we moved to Tennessee, and I was at Tennessee Tech. And the hours were better, but it was still a 75, 80-hour-a-week deal. Mm -hmm. And so the hours were bad. You, I felt like I was neglecting my family in a way. 
and I felt like someone else was raising my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a buddy that does financial planning for a lot of college mm-hmm. uh, and pro football coaches. Mm-hmm. He says far and above the hours in the NFL for overall mm-hmm. for NFL coaches are better because they get more off time and things mm-hmm. like that. But what was so bad about college football was just all of it. You can take one without the other. Another thing too, after on my own business, mm-hmm. they told you when you to take vac- when you could take vacation. Mm-hmm. There were no sick days. You were sick. You freaking you went mm-hmm. like Jackie had a baby on Monday. Monday, or I was coaching. I was coaching a game on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So they the boss or the head coach controls your mm-hmm. every move like. We took vacations depending on when I was off. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just a deal where it was it, it controlled you. I think the thing that – one of the straws that broke the camel's back for me, I was spring recruiting. And I was at Tennessee Tech, which is a great F, uh, FCS school, which is what, mm-hmm. what we always used to call 1AA. And uh, I saw a guy that was the head, the offensive line coach at Georgia mm-hmm. at the time. And we had some commonality because he used to coach at UAB and I used to play there. And I was like, hey, man, I – Was that Neil Calloway? No, it was not Neil. It was Will Friend. Okay. And so when Will was there – I said, hey, how do you like it? You know, mm-hmm. coming from a smaller school, he said, he said, I love it, but, and he hesitated, and he said, it was the middle of May, and he mm-hmm. says, I've had one weekend off since signing day in February. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're crazy. He said, what? I said, what? He said the, only re- the only weekend I had off was because Coach Rick, Mark Rick was at Georgia, he said, Coach Rick made us take off because mm-hmm. we were, he takes everybody on a cruise for spring break, and he made us take the weekend off, and so... Every weekend from February to the end of May, mm-hmm. he had been working or with recruits on the weekend and couldn't make any plans. I did not – if that was the goal, yeah. I had the wrong goal in mm-hmm. mind. And mm-hmm. so I didn't want to – I didn't want that because mm-hmm. after the second child, I realized that my life, part of my job as a Christian and as a human being is to raise citizens to be the next generation. And I knew that I was not going to raise citizens being – away from them all the time because mm-hmm. you have to invest time in them. And so, I mean, I think all of those things are what was so bad about college football. Now, I'm not saying that if you coach college football, you're not a good dad. That is not the case. But for me and how I wanted to run my life and how I felt led to run my life, that was the best thing for me is to be out of that, that mm-hmm. lifestyle. No, that's a good answer. And, and I do think that it is in order to be the best of the best in college football. I mean, yeah. if you're – Competing against a, a Nick Saban or a Kirby Smart, I mean, you're going to work tirelessly. Right. There is no stopping. And I, I do think that it is something that, you know, especially the, the collegiate level versus the NFL, the, the collegiate level, you get them to do what you want them to do or you kick them off the team. If they don't follow the rules, they right. break the rules, whatever. Uh, NFL, that they're getting paid more than you are. So. Absolutely. You know, that's why Saban did not do as well at Miami as he has done because they've got to follow the process at Alabama. Right. They didn't have to follow any process. They got their paycheck. You know, maybe they show up. Maybe they play. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't right. feel like it. Maybe they don't want to attend camp, whatever. Right. Uh, but you're, you're babysitting uh, adults at that point that, that ought to know better. And some do, yeah. some don't. I think that that makes it extremely tough. What would be the number one thing that you would say to college kids after your reflection on college coaching? The number one thing that I would tell college kids is because it is it's to never stop learning. They get to a point, I think, sometimes, and they're like, oh, I'm done with school. I don't have to do anymore. No. 
if you're going to make it, you've got to continue to learn. Whether it be reading, watching things, but you've got to continue to stay on. There's a reason that teachers, every industry out there mm. makes you do, go to continuing, continuing education. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they're not very good, but you've got to continually educate yourself. That would be number one. Number two, I would tell them to live under their means because you're, most of the time when you get out of college, you are not in the job that you want to be in. Mm-hmm. It is a the first thing out of college is typically a stepping stone to figure out what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I was in college. I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to go coach college football. Mm-hmm. There was no thing, nothing, no doubt about it. 75% of the people, these college kids, they don't know. And so I would tell them to, to, to live under their means and then use their job to develop what they really, really want to do. I mean, if you want to be a business owner or you want to make something amazing of your life, don't get stuck in the status quo and just punching the clock. Go figure out how to be amazing. Go figure mm-hmm. out how to do what you want to do, to live on mm-hmm. purpose, to whatever the case may be. But use what you do have, your job that you do have, to work for something bigger, something better, to, fulf- to fulfill that life. If you're looking for vaca- looking forward mm-hmm. to vacation and looking forward to the weekend every weekend, mm-hmm. you're, you're in the wrong industry. And so we got to figure out how to get you in the industry mm-hmm. that you – that you like Monday. Mm-hmm. Like I get so freaking tired of hearing people like, "Oh, it's Monday." Mm-hmm. You're right, it is Monday. Monday is right. awesome because you yeah. get a chance to go make a you can can make a bigger difference on Monday mm-hmm. in more people's lives and in your life than you can on any other day mm-hmm. of the week. And so, um, and those are the those are the things I would tell college kids. Well, I think that that's extremely important. And, you know, I was just reflecting yesterday. I got my high school uh, magazine. You know, it's it's the high school that I graduated from 22 yeah. years ago. <laughs> and it's, you know, all the kids and, right. and they're graduating. They're throwing the, the caps in the air. And, right. and I just I remember thinking I thought that I had a lot of things figured out at 18 years old. Like oh, I'm right. going off to college and yeah. I've, I've really got sure. a clue about life. I had no clue. And then I got to college and I knew even less, uh, made a lot of bad decisions, thought I had things figured out when I came out of college and still knew nothing. So it is that constant learning process. It is, um, you know, constantly trying to grow on a daily basis, trying to grow and never thinking that you've arrived. And I I tell people all the time, you got to stay humble. You got to stay hungry. Yeah. Whatever you're doing. You know, I was talking to my wife the other day, and and I've actually just decided to go to Highlands College. I'm going to oh, be great. going to Highlands College in the on fall. The, on the evening program? I am. Great. That's awesome. And um, But, again, when I graduated from college, I thought, all right, I'm done with exams. I'm done with, uh, you know, the, the training and the, the test and, right. and, and classes. And now I've gone back willingly, you know, yeah, multiple sure. exams, you know, accreditation, things of that nature. Uh, in order to be better at my profession and then also at life. But uh, when you think that you've got it all figured out, you're going backwards. Absolutely. Because life is going to pass you by. And so I think that that's very important. Um, So the the role that you're in now, Mm -hmm. you obviously get to uh, impact people's lives through uh, the food industry and and healthy way of life, Mm -hmm. uh, eating, exercise, things of that nature. Uh, kind of tell us um, like what your passion is about that and, and how you're able to live that out on a daily basis. I think the word passion is like super like 
overused these days as far as like, what are you passionate about? Mm. The bottom line is you got to figure out how to make a living, mm. but you got to enjoy how you're doing that. But there's a lot of things about what I do that I don't like. Mm. Like there are some, I don't like firing people. Mm. I don't love hiring people, mm. but I got to do that. Mm. But in our business, the main things that we do, we do three things. We feed Highlands College, mm. the, the traditional school, mm. like the traditional program, which is wonderful. We've had a mm. wonderful relationship with them. We cater and we do meal prep. Mm. The meal prep part of what we do has the most impact, Matt, because my goal is to make your life easier. Mm. People are going to sacrifice two things when they get busy. Mm. Number one, they're going to sacrifice exercise. Mm. That's the first thing to go out the window. I'm not going to work out today because of this, or I'm not going to run today because of this, or whatever. Mm. That's number one. Number two is food. People suck at planning. Mm. The idea of meal planning and the idea of meal prep is very romanticizing because mm. of an Instagram post or a Facebook feed mm. or whatever. But our job is to make your life as a busy dad, a busy mom easier. Mm. And so how we do that is with our meal pit meals, we have meals that you can order that are already mm. made, or you can order food by the pound, which mm. is great for a family like mine, mm. where I've got a 10, seven and three year old mm. and a wife. And so that we can pull from the food in bulk and mm. make the meals as large or small as we want to. Mm. My job is to keep you out of the drive-through. If I can keep you from stopping Home from coming home from soccer practice mm. and not stopping, knowing that you have food at home that's mm. already cooked. It's going to take you three minutes to warm up. Mm. I've I've fulfilled my purpose for mm. that day because I want to make your life easier mm. and your life healthier mm. from a standpoint of keeping you out of the drive-through and allowing you to eat real food. That's good, and I do think that that's extremely important. I mean, I most of my meals, I am having lunch appointments. I have yeah. breakfast appointments. Um, I, I try not to have too many meals at night because yeah. that takes away from the family. family but, yeah. I mean, I, I want to know where I can get, you know, a good grilled chicken salad. Mm-hmm. I want to know where I can get a lean breakfast, things of that nature. Uh, I think that eating healthy is extremely important. Right. And then exercise is extremely important as well. Right. And, I mean, it's just those are two things that I'm not willing to sacrifice. Yeah. But I know that that a lot of people, it it is like – this is easy. I'm just going to skip the gym today. For sure. This is easy. I'm just going to run through whatever fast food place right. is on the way home. It's going to keep the kids, you know, satisfied. Yeah, that they're going to not yeah. have a, a meltdown yeah. on the way home from from whatever activity. Uh, I think that that's so great that you know you have come up with a way to streamline those things yeah. and and give people great food. Yeah. That you know it it's not full of uh, all types of unhealthy stuff that they don't need which right. a lot of those fast food meals are biggest thing for us is 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 our thought process is we're not paleo we're not keto we're not any of those fad things out mm. there our thought process is to make real food and to be to be preservative free because preservatives i feel like preservatives and additives are what's what's hurting us it sounds so like sunday school but god mm. didn't make that stuff mm. you know god made real food try to mm. eat as many things with one ingredient as mm. possible Try to eat things that if it had if it had a face I said had a face and a soul eat nah. it if it came from the ground eat it nah. those types of things are the best practices for us if we want to stay on a healthy thought process of how to eat because mm-hmm. that's one of the things I get all the time I don't know what to eat you know what you're a Google search away from mm-hmm. having a totally different lifestyle mm-hmm. or having a plan for a totally different lifestyle mm-hmm. and so you saying I don't know what to eat is not an excuse anymore mm-hmm. twenty years ago it was a little bit little bit more of an excuse mm-hmm. it took effort to look stuff up. Mm. It takes little to no effort. You can take this thing right here mm. 
and you can look up this phone right here and you can look up anything you want and have a plan at most of the time for free to radically change your life. Mm -hmm. And so those excuses are are null and void these days. So from an exercise standpoint, how often, obviously it's clear that you like to work out a lot. Right. Uh, How many days a week do you exercise? I, if there's 365 days in a year, I'm going to do something 350, 355 of them. I am not of the belief that you take bunch, a, a bunch of days off, but mm-hmm. I'm also not of the belief that you work yourself to death mm-hmm. every day either. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of days where I'll go row for 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of days where I'll run for 30 minutes, or mm-hmm. where I'll lift heavy for 20 minutes and get warmed up for 10, lift heavy mm-hmm. for 20, and be done. Like mm-hmm. I am not of the thought process that you have to go out there and just obliterate your body for an hour mm-hmm. every day. But I'm also not of the thought process that you need to take a lot of days off. Right. We were made to move. Mm. And when we don't move, we get stale, we get old, we get, you know, stove up. Like I told my buddy today, there are times when you do need to take days off. Like I got a buddy that runs marathons. Mm. Day after a marathon, hey, relax. Yeah. Sit down. Don't do anything. You just put in a lot of work. You just put in a lot of work. But what I'm saying is like, I am of the belief of doing something every day do you Mm -hmm. have to i had a a friend of mine who's in the fitness industry he said get out of breath on purpose Mm -hmm. and lift something heavy Mm -hmm. and those if you can get get those the those two things in every Mm -hmm. other day and or every day i think you'll be fine that's good yeah i like to do minimum five days but if i can get seven i want to get seven absolutely and i'm trying to get seven just about every week because i do think that that's extremely important and Uh, but you got to be intentional about it. Just like anything else, you've got to be intentional with your fitness and the, the things that you're putting into your body. Right. It's, it's extremely important. For sure. Uh, so somebody is uh, trying to pursue the dream that, that God's placed in their heart. Somebody's trying to pursue a, a fresh vision. They're going to take that leap of faith. What would you tell that person that is about to start a new venture? Uh, they're, they're thinking about becoming a small business owner. Right. Um, reflecting on your, you know, six years of business now, uh, what are things that you wish you would have known on the front end, and and things to to be aware of? So what up? I what I would tell somebody is don't get don't get handcuffed by finances. Don't put yourself in a position or so much leverage fi- leveraged financially that mm-hmm. you can't go do things that you want to do. Great example: I had a 24 year old girl that I was interviewing for a job, and she was super sharp. Mm-hmm. Good personality, a lot of skills mm-hmm. at 24, higher skills than a normal for a 24-year-old. Mm-hmm. She made $41,000 a year, mm-hmm. but she had leveraged herself so much in a in a $41,000 lifestyle mm-hmm. that she couldn't take a pay cut mm-hmm. to thirty-two dollars to $35,000 mm-hmm. within the hopes and with the very, very actu- the actuality of mm-hmm. making fifty or fifty-five in 12 months. Mm-hmm. She couldn't take a cut for six mm-hmm. to eight or nine months mm-hmm. in order to make nine or ten thousand dollars more mm-hmm. only nine or ten months later every dime that came in had gone out whether it be to a retirement or whether it be to insurance or a car mm-hmm. note or whatever so you got can't leverage yourself financially the, mm-hmm. the second thing is you got to find time to be great at what you're what you're doing whether you're a financial planner or you're a caterer mm-hmm. or you're uh you know you shoot video for a living mm-hmm. or you're a graphic designer mm-hmm. or what or you want to design clothes whatever you have to eat crap for however many years Mm -hmm. to perfect that craft and get better at that craft. But also you got to figure out how to let people know about what you do. I mean, because if I'm a a great, I cook great or I'm a great, you know, caterer or whatever, people have got to figure out 
that mm-hmm. I do that. And so I've got to let them know what I do. So mm-hmm. you got to be great at what you're doing, but you also have to figure out how to get your message out there. good advice and i think that it it is extremely important to know that you know it's not going to be as glamorous as you know no. people think it's going to be you know running a business and, and owning a business there are benefits there's no doubt right but you know from the standpoint of being a cakewalk every day just because it's your business absolutely not true and and there are going to be those days where you wonder like did i make a mistake right you know am i doing the right things uh you know is this going to work And, you know, you got to grind. You got to continue to persevere and, you know, realize that there will be better days to come and and overcome those tough days as well. What for you, what is the best thing about owning your own business? Like, what's the number one thing that that you went from working for somebody to working for yourself? What's the what's the what's the number one thing for you? Well, number one, I get to set the vision. So I get to determine, you know, what it looks like, what, you know, our number one goal is to make a positive impact in people's lives. And I get to determine how to do that. And, you know, flexibility. That's that's it. I get to determine when I come in, when I set appointments, when uh, I'm meeting with people, and then when I, you know, want to do the things that I want to do. Right. And as long as I'm serving the people that I'm supposed to be serving, then that flexibility comes along with it. But, um, you know, at the same time, you know, if I'm not working, if I'm not growing the business and I'm not working hard in that business and, and making sure that, you know, the people are being taken care of and, and the team's growing and all that, then that vision is not going to be fulfilled. Right. And, you know, also, uh, you know, bills still have to be paid, things of that nature. So if I'm not doing it, then it's not getting done. I so. like the pressure, though. Yeah. Like I took I'm a huge Grant Cardone fan and I know mm. Grant's got a foul mouth, mm. but I love Grant mm. and what he the way he teaches people how to do stuff. So one mm-hmm. of the things he talks about is living mm-hmm. broke, mm-hmm. meaning he will take whatever money they earned mm-hmm. that week, month, quarter, mm-hmm. whatever, and he will take that money and put it in other places mm-hmm. so that he sees his accounts or he sees where he is and makes him work harder mm-hmm. for whatever it is he's doing. Mm-hmm. And so I love the competitive nature of it. My wife, about two years ago, she walked in and asked me, and she was frustrated. Mm-hmm. Because, man, I like to work. Mm. I really do. I like working. Mm. I like all the different aspects of it. There's some things I don't like. But she walked in. She's like, hey, when is it ever going to be enough? Mm. And I think she was talking about money. Mm. Or I think she was talking about, I don't know what she was really talking about. And mm. I looked at her and I said, I don't know. And then about, and it hit me about a year later. And I don't know why it hit me because I went back to mm. that question. Mm. And I went to her and I said, hey, I've got an answer for your question. And she looks at me. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, you remember about a year ago, you asked me, when is it ever going to be enough? Mm. And I said, I got an answer. And she goes, okay. And I was like, it's not. I said, because it's not about the money. It's not about, it's not about a fame. It's not about a platform. It's about a competitiveness mm. for me. Whether that competitive nature is reaching more people, growing more business, I like to create and I love helping people but the creation part of it is something that will never i don't know that you ever get rid of that because there's always something else to create 
whether it be, you know, something new with a design or something, you know, some other financial way to, to help a high school teachers achieve their goal, whatever the case mm. may be. I don't know that it, it's mm. ever going to be enough because mm. I do, I love competing. And I'll say this, my, my desire from an athletic standpoint shifted from the athletic competition into this. I think this is now my outlet as opposed mm. to what it used to be like when I was mm. competing, playing college football, coaching in college football. And even mm. we went through about a six year period there. Well, all we did was compete mm. for the CrossFit games. All we did. We would hire babysitters so me and my wife could go work mm. out. And so those types of things, um, that's why I enjoy what I do. Mm. So uh, you just touched on something. You said you love to help people and you love to create. Where does that desire to help people come from? Okay, so the best thing about owning your own business is people. The worst thing about owning your own business mm. is people. But my desire to help people is I want to make people's lives easier. I love exceeding people's expectations, mm. number one, and I like making people's lives easier, mm. number two. So when I can exceed your expectation from a hospitality standpoint, mm. from a making your life easier standpoint, mm. people are thankful. There are so many, there are a lot of, there are a lot of great things in this world, but there are a lot of bad things in this world too. Mm. People get burned and people mm. don't trust as much mm. these days. But if someone, I can get someone's trust and I can fulfill that trust and maybe even exceed that trust, mm. then I feel like I've done something. I love the hospitality thought. Like I love having people at our home. Mm. We bought a bigger home than we should have bought. Not mm. should have bought, excuse me. We bought a bigger home than we're used to. Mm. But the reason we bought a bigger home is because I mm. like having people in my house. Mm. I like having someone come you know, from Tennessee going to the beach and saying, yeah, come stay with us and make, mm. break up the trip or come eat here, or come have the, the such and such team come over to swim or whatever. Mm. And so I like serving people and mm. helping people because, I don't know, I guess it's just in me. It's in my mm. mom and it's in my dad, mm. uh, probably more so in my dad than my mom. My mm. dad's like, oh, let's get you something to eat. Let's mm. make sure you're okay, you everything. You're okay. Mm. You know, that's my dad, you know. Mm. And so I love that aspect of, of mm. it too. So I think, I think that's what that is. Well, I would think that, you know, that servant heart comes from your faith as well. For sure. And, you know, as followers of Christ, you know, we want to serve because that's what Jesus did. Right. You know, at the end of the day, knowing that, that he came here and he served the entire time he was here, you know, to, to model that behavior. I think that that's obviously something that's extremely important. And, and I think that, you know, that's reflected in a lot of the things that right. you put out there you yeah. know a, a lot of the things that that you post on social media or uh where you're trying to add value to people i think that that reflects you know what I, you believe i appreciate that and i think i think that a lot of the people that talk about serving other people it, it it's a it, you're 100 right it is a biblical principle you know i think it was zig ziglar said if you help us help people get exactly what they want you will in turn have as more than enough for yourself mm. I probably butchered that, but you understand the, the gist of it. That's biblical. Mm -hmm. Like doing to others, you have them doing to you. And, mm -hmm. you know, you know, don't walk a mile, walk a second mile. I mean, there are so many biblical principles mm -hmm. in the thought of serving people, mm -hmm. in the thought of hospitality, in the, all of those different things. There are so many biblical principles in that. There's no doubt that everything that we do from a faith standpoint, everything that I do from, has a root in a faith standpoint just simply because it's who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not what I do. It's not, mm. I don't read my Bible in the morning. That, it, no, that's who I am. Mm. And so separating that, I don't think you really can. So mm. you, I don't think you can really separate that from who people mm. are that are truly 
ingrained with love in Jesus. Mm. Well, I've really enjoyed this today. Thomas, I appreciate you being here. I know that this is going to help people. I know it's going to encourage them. I know it's going to inspire them. And so we just hope that that you guys have enjoyed it as much as we have and, and check us out next time. 